Welcome to The Hidden World of Women, a podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. My name is Emma and I'll be your host for today's episode. Today I'm joined by an absolutely fantastic woman who I really enjoy spending time with and I'm so appreciative of her joining me today and sharing her personal story. I'm joined by Emma. Emma is the mum of two and her interests, uh, they involve basically internet stalking Harry Styles and following everything that he does with what some could call obsession um, or others could just call excitement. So it totally depends how you look at things. She's a midwife with a background in OT and she's here with me today talking about Pride. So in Australia, we celebrate Pride Month in November and today we're going to talk about Pride. So thank you very much for joining me today, Emma. That's my pleasure. So talk to me about why Pride is important to you. That's a good question. Probably because I'm fairly new to the Pride community and so finding spaces where you can surround yourself with other people and know that they have similar experiences or are looking for a similar community, looking for joy in that community. I think we're all looking for belonging right yeah exactly so it feels like a safer space it feels like somewhere you can be yourself mm. and get to know people without constantly kind of thinking are these people who it's okay to have these conversations with yeah I remember so my first well not my first volunteering role but you know sort of my first volunteering role as an adult was with uh, WAC, so West Australian AIDS Council, and there's a lot of training that you have to go through in order to do that. And I remember at the end of the first two day, first day or first two days of basic training, they said, you know, what was the, what's your takeaway from today? And my biggest takeaway, and so I was 17 when I did this training, and I'm not 17 anymore, so it was a long time ago, but I still remember my biggest takeaway was, I just assumed everyone was heterosexual, mm. like, and unless. Unless you're sort of at somewhere like the court and you can, people are, let's say, obvious, mm. then, you know, I just assumed that. And so I guess that was a huge wake up for me that in this idea of well, why do we need Pride Parade? Well, why don't we have a heterosexual parade? Well, we can walk down the street holding somebody's hand without fear of insult or injury every single day. And homosexual people or people who identify as GLBTQIA plus possibly don't have that. Mm, absolutely, yeah. And, you know, hopefully Pride gives us that safe space and community. But you said that you're new to the Pride community. Do you mind if I share how old you are? Of course you can. So you're 50 mm-hmm. and just coming into, I guess, exploring who you are a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. I I suppose over the last couple of years, I have started to explore my sexuality, having been married in a heterosexual relationship for a really long time, and then being divorced, um, and looking to start dating again, where the last time I had dated, there was no such thing as the internet, never mind internet (laughs) dating, so that's terrifying in itself, and then kind of exploring that whole experience what was I actually looking for who actually was I as a single person and not just as a mom and in my work roles like who am I yeah so it was a massive process that I've gone through with some very long-suffering friends and a psychologist of you know kind of who is Emma and what does she want and where does she want to move forward and sexuality was part of that Mm. whole process yeah so you, you were married for a long time. Mm. And how long were you married for? 20 years. So you married quite young. Yes, yeah, so I was married in my early 20s. So prior to getting married, did you have any sort of inkling that you didn't fit in the heterosexual kind of box? Well, hindsight's an amazing thing, isn't it? And I think a lot of people who perhaps go through this journey later on look back and go, oh, so not everyone feels like that about a co-worker or a movie star or whatever who's the same gender as you are. Um, probably at the time, no, because when I went through my teenage years, we're talking the 80s and 90s mm. in England, 
um, where you would not be openly gay. It was not accepted at all. Mm. We were going through the, the very beginning of the AIDS epidemic at yeah. those times. And, you know, there's been some really good representation recently in the media of what that time was like. And so I think you very much assumed that you were heterosexual. This was something that was very different. Um, was never have been talked about. So it wasn't, I suppose, you, you assume for yourself that that is who you are because that's what's expected of you. In hindsight, looking back, there were people when I was at school, when I was at university, who I was attracted to who I just thought I was kind of looking up to, they were role models or, yeah. um, you know, I appreciated something about them. And probably looking back, I would say they were kind of more crushes or whatever. It's hard because now, you know, I was at an event last week and I think 90%, it was, you know, it was probably 95% of attendees were women and 90% of the attendees talked about having girl crushes. Mm. So, but not in a... Not in a sexual way, mm. you know. It's just all more in a she's my hero kind mm. of way. And it's like the language of it that we use, it just adds to that confusion, doesn't mm. it? Absolutely. And I think that's been one of the biggest kind of points for me in my learning is do I just really, really love this woman because she's incredible or do I want to be with this woman? Mm. And it's what are those boundaries? What's the difference between a friendship and a relationship? Um, I have a very, you know, my best friend where regularly when we're out places, people will ask us how long we've been together. And it's, it's, we don't have a, that yeah. kind of a relationship, but because we know each other very well and we're very comfortable with each yeah. other, um, that seems to come up quite a lot. But yeah, I think that's very much a progress thing for me. Like, am I, who am I attracted to? In what way am I attracted mm. to them? What are these feelings? So it's like going through teenagehood again. Absolutely. Oh, my God. I didn't I like it the know. first time. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it just really kind of complicated the whole experience of trying to date again because it was like I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how to put myself into places where that could happen. And now I've changed the pool of people who yeah. I'm actually looking at and I have no idea where to go and try and find that pool of people. And that's, you know, I sort of joked with my husband that we're just going to have to stay married because honestly, I've no idea how people date these days. So mm. we're just, it's just going to have to stay the way that it is. And he knows that I'm joking, I hope. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I would learn internet dating if I needed to. But... You know, the idea of internet dating, it terrifies mm. me. Like, Oh, the whole process is just revolting. And I think some people can make it really work for them because yeah. the way that they approach it is very different. I'm not that kind of person. It really doesn't feel comfortable to me. I'm very much attracted to a vibe of a person. Yeah, which you can't um, necessarily get from a screen. No, and it's, it's very much you flick over what the person looks like, you flick over this very basic information about who they are. And I think specifically because I, I don't know who I'm looking for, but if you look at male um, profiles on dating websites, they've all written exactly the same thing. They're really This is a whole market of people helping men to write profiles so you can actually learn something about them. But it just doesn't suit me. I need to have a conversation. I need to see the way that somebody communicates. I need to, um, I'm quite intuitive and, and empathetic and I need to see how I feel with people. Mm. Um, and often it's people who I would perhaps not have been immediately physically attracted to, but I'm incredibly attracted to their intellect and, mm. and how they relate to other people. So that whole flicking over pictures thing just really doesn't suit me so that was very very tricky and I imagine sort of you know there's the extra layer of difficulty because if you've never dated girls before mm. and I've never internet dated never dated girl, now you're going to do that for the first time mm. together mm. so how do you start dating <laughs> this is not where I was intending to go with the conversation <laughs> but you know <laughs> I knew it wouldn't go where you don't Look, there are some really great community spaces online mm. that you can join where you can have conversations with people where they are creating events that you can go along to. So you start to find out spaces, you start to find out what events there are, you can start to have conversations. Um, people you know, do message each other on those and, and hook up 
through that yeah. in whatever format they want to. Some of the dating websites are specifically for female-female relationships, so you can explore those. Some of the more broad dating websites have the option for you to select which gender or mm. open to who can respond to you or who can communicate with you um, and what you're looking for. So there's quite a lot of options. It's incredibly daunting. It doesn't mm. feel... I, I don't find it a particularly safe kind of feeling mm. to be meeting up with someone who you've never met before. I have to say that did feel different, meeting up with a female rather than with a male. That certainly felt a lot safer to me. To meet with a female? Mm. Mm. So I think a certain layer of, of the difficulty of meeting strangers was taken away. Do you, So, you know, back in the olden days, when a bob was worth a bob many moons ago, when I was, you know, dating, it was good manners for somebody to come and pick you up from home and, mm. you know, that type of thing. Whereas mm. now I'm assuming that that kind of thing doesn't happen. You would meet someone mm. rather than, you know, this is where I live, come and pick me up. Mm. Yeah, for sure. But I think, I mean, my experience of dating prior to being married was at school and university. Yeah. So it was people who I was around. Who you knew, so yeah. I had met them in person. Yeah. We had had a conversation and then someone had asked the other person out and you would arrange to go on a date. So yeah. you'd, you've already done a lot of that scanning and, yeah. sec- you know, that, <laughs> yeah. that unconscious kind of this person's clean and tidy. They can speak well. They've, you know, I feel I, safe around them. Exactly. Yeah. And and they have a group of people here who they seem to be interacting mm. with in a normal way and they're not, you know, blackout drunk or whatever. Yeah. Um, you can do a lot of that scanning when you meet someone face-to-face, which you can't do in that online space. Yeah. And even communicating by message or by phone or whatever, you can say anything. Yeah. You know, and I kind of changed my profile a few times and highlighted different things and you get a very different market of people responding to that. So you can pretty much say anything yeah. in that space. And I'm kind of honest to the point of naivety in a lot of these situations. And it never crossed my mind that people would be doing that. And then you meet them and you go, mm, I'm not exactly sure this matches up with <laughs> what you told me before. <laughs> so how was it going on that first date with a woman for the very first time? Amazing. Because it kind of validated that... This wasn't just something that was going on in my brain. It was actually something that, yes, I was attracted to them. Yes, I did want to be involved with a female. And this wasn't just, you know, like a phase I was going... Like, you know... Midlife crisis. All of that stuff. Yeah. Um, And I was incredibly blessed that the person who I had that first date with was gentle and kind and thoughtful and very aware of what this experience was Mm. and I had told I told them probably unfairly told them at the start of the date maybe I should have told them before that (laughs) I'm never I'm I don't know how you navigate that but they were absolutely beautiful and handled it in a way that made it such a positive experience Mm. so yes I feel incredibly blessed by that Mm. and at what point did you start to think, well, I need to start telling people this? Well, that's a really interesting question because I think I have a very small group of very close friends and they went through that whole process with me. Mm. So that was an exploration that I did kind of alongside them. So the, I've only really told two kind of sets of people who weren't part of that process. So I, my mum doesn't live in Australia and we communicate by letter because she doesn't have technology. So I wrote her a letter. How was that? How many times did you write that letter? To be honest, only the once. Ah. It was just very, very straightforward of I'm starting dating again and I'm not limiting who I'm dating to just men. Mm-hmm. And my absolutely beautiful old-fashioned nearly 80 year old mum at the time just responded with well that's a little bit of a surprise but as long as you're happy darling (laughs) which was the most beautiful response that I could have got um and the only other people who I really had to tell were my children yeah which I was very nervous about and which they laughed at me for when I had the conversation and so we were driving in the car and I just said I needed to tell them something and it said exactly the same thing, really, I'm starting to date and I'm not limiting 
who I'm looking at when in that kind of dating pool. And they both went, oh, okay, can we have chips? Kind of, you know, it was a very much that kind of a reaction. And when I kind of turned to look at them, and I, my son just kind of looked at me and went, well, you raised us, mom. What did you think we were going to say? Yeah. Which was a very affirming response to get from him because, you know, I very much have always tried to raise the kids in, you know, ev- you accept everybody for who they are. Yeah. You don't use words like gay as an insult. We would have big conversations about that you know, big conversations about being inclusive and um, with language and terminology that we were using. And in lots of the areas that I've worked in, I've been an ally and done training mm. and, and have always, you know, it's always been, you, you treat everybody in the way that you would like to be treated. So he, you know, he's had to read feminist books from being very young and, you know, has been kind of gone through all of that with me. So, um they they were just absolutely beautiful and we just had you know conversations about sexuality in general and yeah. you know they've uh, hopefully have been raised in an environment where they would never feel like they had to come out to me that whoever they brought home would have been welcome mm. and there would have been no question about that you know and we had conversations as they were becoming teenagers about do you have to kind of keep your door open or can you shut your door if you've got people over and that was very much a well I'm not going to say you can leave it open if there's a, you know, for my daughter, leave it open if there's a boy there, but not if there's girls there because I don't know who you're attracted to. So let's just say that if you're comfortable with that person, you can close the door and I trust your judgment. And if you're not comfortable anymore, then you come out and you're in a space where I am. So I kind of had laid a, uh, hopefully laid a really nice foundation to make that easier for myself with them. So... And have they met any partners? No, because I haven't gotten into any relationships yeah. where they've been to that level. And my kind of conversation with them about dating was, if this person is going to become a major part of my life, then you will know who they yeah. are and you will have that opportunity to meet them. But if it's if I don't know where it's going and it's very new, then... We're not having a revolving door. to know about that. Yeah. Because, you know, I don't want you to get attached to people who are not going to be around Yeah. If, you know, and I won't know that straight away. So if you need to know, you'll know. Mm. Mm. And your ex-husband, mm. did you have to tell him? I haven't explicitly told him. Not because I feel like he would have anything in particular to say about that. I suppose more just that the same kind of conversation was had that if there's going to be someone around our children Mm. that we would tell the other person who that was and what was going on and that hasn't arisen yet so at at a point where there's someone who's going to be around he'll know yeah have you had any negative experiences from men so i'll just put some context around that so stories from you know probably 20 25 years ago of you know from the court places like that of uh, women's experiences was hearing comments from men like you just need a really good insert mm. expletive here and that'll sort you and th- have you had to experience or go through anything like that no because probably haven't really had that conversation with any men about what my sexuality is no and I'd like to think that the people who I spend the majority of my time with would never have that reaction no I was more thinking about <laughs> I was more thinking about strangers to be yeah. honest and I'm wondering how far we've progressed in the last 20 years whether or not it is more accepting or we are still getting that those same kinds of negative responses from strangers who feel like they've got you know some sort of right Mm. to make comment I suppose I've never put myself in a position yet where that Mm. could come up does it like have you been to places like gay clubs I mean, you're not really a, a clubbing kind of person from what I know about you, so... Exactly. I have been to events that are women-only events. I haven't... I have been to the court before, but mm-hmm. not as a person who was looking for a same-gender relationship at that time. Yeah. So one of those really annoying hetero people who's in the gay space... <laughs> It's fine if you're invited, so I've been (laughs) told. (laughs) I don't know how to navigate a lot of that. 
yeah, I just, I suppose Pride last year was my first Pride and that was very different to how Pride normally is because it was mm. at the, an are- the arena rather yeah. than in the, the streets and things. So I haven't really been in very many spaces or had many opportunities to kind of get to, it's more been an online thing. Yeah. Um, but I know, like, um, I'm a book nerd um, and there is a bookshop that is very much queer friendly and there's a new bar opening in Frio, which is um, a gay, for queer friendly place which um, there are a group of people who were all hoping to go and support that. Mm. And there's events and things that I've been to. But yeah, I, I'm kind of one of those people who wants to find someone to be in a relationship with, but doesn't venture very far from her book in Really catch. quite likely if somebody came and knocked on my bookshop door. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't know how the whole dating thing in general is going to work out for me. But <laughs> You mentioned before that when you, you know, raising your kids, you told them not to use words like gay as an insult. Mm. When I was growing up, queer was very much an mm. insult. And you come from a similar place mm. in the world to, um, to where I come from. How do you go using language like queer now? I suppose I don't know. I don't know how to navigate a lot of this. I'm trying to work it out as yeah. I go along. And... I think the kind of general rule that I follow is that I ask people what pronouns do they want mm. to use, how do they want to be described, what terminology do they use so yeah. that I can be on board with what their comfort zone yeah. is. I haven't put a label on myself, mm. so I don't know how I'd like to be described. I don't really feel like I found a word that fits how I feel. Probably pansexuals the closest um, i just want to find a person that yep. i get on well with and i think that that's to me what that means i don't know how i feel about a lot of the words mm. not nothing seems to really kind of sit and i know that there's a, a group of people who are unlabeled but then that has <laughs> that in itself is a label though isn't it exactly <laughs> yeah. but it's, i think it's also created a lot of response from other people about being labelled and not being labelled and I don't really I don't really feel comfortable with boxes in general and I don't really feel like they serve very many of us very well a lot of the time I agree a hundred percent and so I struggle with labels because mm. I think does it re- like do we really need to label mm. it does it really matter no. and you know sort of the alphabet the GLBTQIA plus it's mm. getting longer and longer mm. with the different labels mm. that we're adding to that and I am reminded uh, by the person who's going to be editing this that labels are important to other people and yeah, I need to be respectful exactly. of that yeah. um, and so I try really hard and and I know that you know if you go around a room and ask people to you know 10 words to describe yourself for heterosexual white people generally you won't have heterosexual or white Mm. as part of their identifying but people who come from different cultures or people who have different sexuality sexual labels that go with that that that's very much how they identify themselves Mm. so sometimes those labels can be really important absolutely yeah Uh, it's just I don't know whether it's finding the right one or just going you know what I'm choosing not to fit in a box (laughs) I am boxless And because I know who's editing the podcast, I'm not going to make a really inappropriate joke. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, so, but you're fine with using, like, using the term queer for things like queer-friendly bookshop and Mm. things that doesn't kind of, it doesn't feel jarring or anything. No, I don't think so. I think because that has really developed over time, I think there are specific words that, if I heard people using them, that would make me feel very uncomfortable mm. just because they were only ever used as, as a, a negative slur. thing. Yeah. I can't, I'm trying to remember the name of the TV show that I watched recently. It came out last year. There were five episodes and it was based in London in the 80s and it was about AIDS and the gay community. And it was absolutely incredible. I wish I could remember what it was called. If you remember, message me and I'll put it in the show notes. There was some really amazing representation, but the language and everything Mm. was so familiar to me from being younger. 
And I think it's difficult because I pass as heterosexual because people talk to me. I have an ex-husband, I have children, which were things that in my 20s, if I had been gay, I wouldn't have been able to be married. I wouldn't have been able to have children because Mm. those things have become more accessible and more available very, very recently. Yeah. So I pass as heterosexual basically by just by saying that I have children mm. being the age that I am. So I've never really had to kind of label myself anywhere because it's only very specific people that I ever have to have that conversation with. You don't seem to have gone through some sort of personality evolution and need to be, you know, cover yourself in rainbows every day either. Mm. I only have black, only yeah. black clothing, so that's <laughs> got various shades of black. Slightly, slightly out of the comfort zone. And a purple jacket. No, I do. Yeah. No, I guess it has just been a tweak to who I'm attract, who I'm Openly. know that I'm attracted yeah. to, and I'm still exactly the same person. I'm not going to wear rainbows. Actually, I am going to wear rainbows for pride. I did buy glitter that's all different colours. <laughs> there was an eye roll there. <laughs> so you are going to pride this year? I am, yes. So what are you planning on doing for pride this year? I really have no idea. Okay. I'm going to land in the middle of Perth and hopefully find lots of things that are happening that are fun. Awesome. <laughs> and look, I should know this and I don't. What is pride? What does pride look like in WA this year compared to last year? So there are a whole heap of events. There's yeah. been events going on for a really long time. So it, I like poetry readings, cookery stuff, presentations and talks, um, all sorts of different things have been going on for the last few weeks. And then for the Saturday parade, um, I believe that there's kind of a, a route that floats and things will take mm. who are either groups... Um, yeah. from the gay community or their businesses and people who are allies and are supporting. Um, and that will travel around Perth and I think the start and finish is Russell Square. So out of the uh, horse racing track this year? Yes. Did you have any personal feelings about it being at the horse racing track last year? I had nothing to compare it to. Yeah. So um, to me it felt absolutely lovely um, because there was lots of people wandering around dancing, there was music and everyone was very relaxed and being able to be themselves which was my first real experience of being in a space where people were openly affectionate and you could tell that they were couples yeah so yeah to me it it was amazing but I have heard a lot of feedback from people about the fact that it's not what it normally is I struggled with it and obviously as an ally um because for me it felt like we'd gone back decades Mm. and we were hiding the gaze behind the closed gate Mm. and having to walk around a horse racing track like that just it just felt so wrong Mm. and you can you know all the excuses around COVID and all of that it just felt like we were shutting GLBTQIA people away again that's it you know so they can do their own thing in their own so long as I don't have to see it so long as it doesn't impact me Mm. Whereas in the past, it's very much taken over Northbridge and, mm. you know, Perth, whatever that might be. And and so it's been more of that public kind of yeah. celebration. And so what you experienced happened, but in public rather mm. than behind the closed doors. But it's really lovely to hear that for you, it didn't feel like you were closed off. It was very mm. much that positive experience and... Yeah. And possibly for me that was a bit safer given yeah, that I was, I was just only just that. experiencing yeah. a lot of that. Maybe for me that was actually what I needed at that point in time. I didn't have to proclaim myself to the whole That's universe. It. Nice gentle transitioning yeah. point. Yeah. 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 And does it feel like you're proclaiming yourself to the universe by going to this year's Pride Parade or by doing this podcast? But you know. <laughs> doing this podcast, to be honest, I did go through a bit of a process of thinking about it and kind of this is probably my coming out yeah um, in that kind of broad sense um because I haven't really felt the need to proclaim anything before Mm. and my coming out at work was very much what are we doing for pride oh let's put lots of balloons up and make it look pretty um and that was kind of the extent of the conversation Mm. it was just very very accepted and there were no questions asked it was just all right absolutely yeah let's get on board with that which was beautiful Mm. 
because in other jobs that I work in it's not something that's recognized at all and I can't imagine bringing it up in those spaces and asking to do something so yeah this is probably my coming out to be honest so hi that's really (laughs) lovely well thank you for feeling safe enough to you know to be part of this and to use you know to come out publicly on the podcast um so how do you think if you were talking to somebody who you know was possibly in a similar situation that you have been through who was sort of going but I've lived for you know almost 50 years as a heterosexual woman how do I navigate the next stages what do you think a starting point would be that you would suggest probably having some conversations with people who you really trust about how you're feeling I mean I did a lot of exploration with friends but I also see a psychologist so Mm. being able to kind of unravel where some of those thoughts and feelings were coming from and what they were related to was really useful for me there's so much information available online yeah I don't know if you've watched Heartstopper, but, you know, the quizzes that Kit does online of, you know, am I gay, am I bisexual? (laughs) Um, You know, that's a real thing. And a lot of people have commented on the fact that they actually did that as part of that process. It's not something that I did. But um, I think, you know, there's so much information that you can look at, that you can look at definitions, you can look at people's experiences. You can now see representation in the media starting to come through that you can perhaps identify with and and start to figure out but I think as well just not feeling like you've got to find that box that you fit Mm. in just saying to yourself this is another aspect of who I am this is just another aspect of who I am Mm. it's just another group of people who I'm open to spending time with and it doesn't have to be any kind of major change to your life I mean, I'm just, I'm incredibly fortunate that I've had such positive reactions from everyone who I've spoken to. And if you're surrounded by great people who you feel safe with, then hopefully, you're, you know, other people are going to have that same experience. But yeah, I think just a lot of exploration, a lot of learning, open yourself up to different media. Mm. And the thing is, if you don't have that supportive community around you, there are organisations where you can mm. try and find additional support. So. Yeah, for sure. There, there is always going to be a community that you can mm. find where people will be supportive. And I think, you know, so many people who are my age who have always known what their sexuality yeah. is and, and have lived their whole lives as gay um, have been very adept at finding community and are very open and very giving and loving in terms of supporting other people through that process so yeah there's definitely there are services there are formal Mm. services but there are also lots of very informal networks and I think now you know because with the age of the internet it makes it a lot easier to find those whereas going back a couple of decades and you know you said people who are your age who have known for their whole life that they're um, gay or whatever label they're choosing to use they back 20 or 30 years ago it wasn't as easy to Mm. find those supportive communities so it was very much kind of whispers and Mm. behind you know behind closed doors so now it's so much easier to try and find supports Mm. and I mean just a quick google search on well not google search but a quick search on facebook and there's like 27 groups pop up yeah for sure but I mean I think there's always been a language hasn't there within communities as well that allow you to know who isn't isn't kind of coming from the same place as you and I know I heard from my daughter's kind of group there's a band and if you say do you listen to this band that's kind of code for are you in the queer community so I mean I guess that changes all the time with different groups in the 70s it was family wasn't it you know that's where that song we are family came from really it was around so people who identified as well then it was gay or lesbian um so it was family and Mm. that was the code word of that time yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's it they'll always be and and it's sort of a bit sad though that in 2022 people are still using code words Mm. yeah it is Mm. any thought so one of the things that I remember you mentioning actually probably around this time last year was the difficulty with 
sort of navigating the dating scene and women who were possibly in a similar situation to yourself but weren't ready to give up their husband. And so they were like looking, so they were looking for dating, but I'm still married, but I'm just trying to explore things and see where Mm. they go. So has that been something that has been like an issue to navigate and you just kind of swipe whichever way you swipe and just keep going or? Yeah, I think. You, you're okay with that if people are being honest about mm. it. Again, it comes back to how much you actually want to give away when you create that profile. And some people are very open about that mm. and do say, I am married and I'm exploring. And then you have a choice yeah. as to whether you want to get involved in that miry mess or not. Or potentially. <laughs> uh. I can see which side of the fence you sit on that one. <laughs> But obviously there's going to be people who are in those spaces who are not saying that. Yeah. Which I think can be quite difficult. But obviously the realisations come to people at different times and a lot of the time for people their circumstances are such that it's not easy for them to extricate themselves from a relationship. Mm. And they may be in a situation where that wouldn't be accepted. It might have a massive implication for them financially with their families, all of those kinds of things. So... I would never judge anybody for that because we're all in very different circumstances. Mm. I just wouldn't necessarily want to navigate that with somebody. Apart from anything else, it feels like you're just way too way too in the infancy of learning who you exactly. are yourself without trying yeah, to take I, that I on. I think that would be very complicated to take on. And obviously everyone's going to do this in different ways aren't they people you know have open relationships and and explore all sorts of different things which is not something that feels comfortable to me Mm. so it it just isn't in my wheelhouse but there'd be a lot of people who it was I think that would be very difficult to navigate for anybody yeah yeah Mm. so back to the if you were help supporting other people if you were talking to somebody who's you know perhaps talking to somebody's child and their parent was going through kind of coming out to their kids what would your advice be to the kids on how to manage that and how to kind of navigate it oh look I mean I'm all about communication everything's always about communication so it's talking about how you're feeling about it and you know giving children a safe space to be able to discuss that giving them resources to look at giving them other people outside of you who they can talk to so you know mentors and mm. and that kind of extended family and social network who they can discuss that with honestly and i guess it's navigating what you do and don't want to involve your children in, in yeah. those relationships like i whoever i was dating i wouldn't doing that kind of in front of my children unless it was developing into something that was going to be really long term and everyone's very different with how they navigate that but I think if children had any thoughts and feelings about it absolutely they need to talk about those and any impact that it might have on them because obviously you know there is still bullying and there you know any point of difference can be a, a reason for bullying so if they were concerned about how that was going to be perceived to discuss that I think schools are actually quite progressive now in Mm. lots of ways and are very accepting of different family structures and different things so that's probably not as difficult to navigate but yeah yeah for children certainly not to keep that to themselves if they've got some thoughts about it they are absolutely entitled to say how they feel and to ask for things to be done in particular ways if that's what feels most comfortable to them. Yeah. And that's it. You can't feel like your feelings are never wrong. Exactly. So. Yeah. And it's not a personal thing to the parent. Like if my children had have had concerns about it, I would have discussed that with them and said, OK, well, you know, what do and don't you feel comfortable with? Yeah. And if you know you don't want me to bring a partner along when your friends are going to be there, then we can discuss that yeah. and talk about why that doesn't feel comfortable. Yeah. And what we can do so that we can all be authentic and mm. navigate that for you. So, yeah, just um, I'm all about communication with everything. So, And one of the things that I liked was, um, you know, when you talk to your kids about it, you did it in the car, <laughs> which we often say, you know, when you with sort of parenting 101 type of thing, that if you 
going to have conversations with your kids. Do it in the car because you're not having to make eye contact. And normally that's when you're trying to grill them about partners or something. (laughs) I've got something I feel uncomfortable with, so I'm going to do it in the car so I don't have to look at you. (laughs) It goes both ways, right? Absolutely. (laughs) And I had a question. Oh, that's what I was going to ask. Um, So are you inviting your kids to go to Pride with you? And I've got more to the question. I'll add more to the question. And then I guess what I'm wondering is, is this something that is potentially something that you can celebrate together? Or is this, this is not necessarily an or, it could be an and, but are you feeling like maybe at the moment it's your time to try and find out who you are and so this is your space to try and navigate and enjoy and celebrate? That's a great question and... I feel lots of different ways about it. Mm. So I think, so for this year, I haven't asked them to come with me. And I think it is very much of a, this is my thing that I want to do for me. If they wanted to go to Pride, absolutely go to Pride. Um, But can you take your friend and stand on the other side? (laughs) Kind of, kind of. It's something that I'm wanting to do with some friends. It's something that I'm wanting to do for me. And I think as a mum, that's quite hard to carve out. Yeah. So, yeah, I am kind of keeping it for myself. Mm. I'm not gatekeeping pride. They can absolutely go to pride. But I'm kind of gatekeeping that... Your celebrations is, of pride. Yeah me, yeah, me going and doing it. But absolutely, if they wanted to be there, they could be there. That's, um, you know, it's certainly something I would encourage them to do, um, to enjoy that space and, and to be a part of it. But... Yeah, though I'm kind of am gatekeeping this as a as an Emma thing. Yeah, and <laughs> because your kids are you know heading towards adulthood now, mm. it's a time when a lot of mums are trying to work out who am I mm. and trying to find space for mm. themselves anyway. Mm. But and trying to carve out that space for yourself is difficult. Mm. So it's it must be really difficult of going well. I want them to be part of part of who I am, mm. but at the same time I also really would like some of my own independence yeah. again and I think as well if they were going to pride it would depend on what reason they were going for and it would I would like it for them to have that as their space as well yeah. not have their mum there yeah well it depends <laughs> unless they were going to to support mum well yeah and I I am going to be wearing a free mum hug shirt yeah. for pride um because I'm aware that there's a lot of families where People are not accepted. So even the idea of the free mum hugs, it just makes me want to cry. <laughs> oh, it's just, it's too much. <laughs> and I know that, you know, there are a lot of grandparents, parents of both genders or any gender who um, go along to be a support to other people as well as to enjoy that space yeah. for themselves. And I think it just felt quite important to me that, I, you know, I've been so accepted, but so many people aren't. And I'm a hugger, so it works for me in some levels. <laughs> um, but yeah, just to be able to, you know, for people who might be there, who might be worried about being there, that they can have just that moment of acceptance and and time with somebody felt important. Yeah. And also bought the T-shirt from a really great local um, group who make them. So <laughs> trying so to support it's that win-win as well. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might go bankrupt supporting all of these good causes, but <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, and did you wear the free mum hug last year? No, I didn't have it last year. So this is my first free mum hug year. <laughs> oh, I just think the idea of it in 2022 that we're still seeing parents who are not supportive of their kids. I, I just do not understand that. Your children are given to you to take care of for such a short period of time mm. and you're there to nurture them and encourage them to be who they are. It just doesn't compute in my brain that there would be something that they were doing that I would go, oh, no, actually, that means I don't love you anymore. Yeah. It is unconditional. Mm. There might be things that they might do that I might not... I don't like the things that they're doing, but I still love them. Yeah. Exactly. Um, But just... Yeah, it just doesn't compute in my brain. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't compute in my brain either. And as you say, we get them for such a short amount of time, but I'm trying to make that as long as possible. Why would anybody want to shorten that? Mm. So, but sadly, 2022 
it is still happening that people are being cut off from their families mm. because of how the, you know because of their sexual identity or because of the pronouns that they're choosing or mm. using so yeah free mum hugs are beautiful although they still make me cry <laughs> <laughs> so before we wrap up today have you got any final thoughts that you'd like to share did we meander and miss anything I don't really know that I had an agenda. I was just following your flow, so I don't think so. I just hope things do change so that people feel more comfortable and safe to explore for themselves and be accepted. Did um, it feel safe for you from when you first started to think, oh, perhaps it's not men that I'm going to be looking Did you feel safe that whole time? Was there any point where you thought, oh, how's this going to go? No. I think I felt safe the whole time. Oh, that's beautiful. But I'm surrounded by amazing people, so I'm very lucky. Yeah. Well, um, you could say lucky, but I think you design who you spend your time with, right? True. I think I'm also in a safe space in that I don't have all of my family and all of my life history here. Mm. So if it did cause an issue... Well, they're 12,500 miles exactly, away, it's all good. <laughs> I wouldn't actually be losing out on a lot. Yeah, It's not like we all live in the same village and any kind of disruption is going to have a huge impact on my life. Yeah. Um, which I suppose gives you a certain amount of freedom. But no, I haven't felt unsafe at any point. How did it feel... Like, how does it feel? But I am now? only just coming That's back it. Out to everybody. Maybe yeah. it'll happen now. <laughs> but it's been quite a slow coming out, though, right? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. been a couple of years to sort of, as you've sort of slowly mm. navigated your way privately before mm. you've started to be a little bit more, mm. a little bit more public with it. I'm just going to meander through the rest of my life seeing what happens, I think. Oh, you know. <laughs> My days of a bull in a china shop, I think, are over. I'm a bit tired now, so meandering <laughs> sounds quite appealing. <laughs> does it feel... Uh, okay, I don't know how to put this right, so I'm just going to put it. But does it feel like home? Like It feels very comfortable and very natural. Mm. And I suppose at every point, you know, of, of kind of first talking to somebody, first meeting somebody, taking things any steps further, at all of those points, it's felt very natural and very comfortable and very safe. So, yeah, I guess it probably just feels like that's another part of myself that has, like, the obsession with Harry Styles, which is also <laughs> fairly recent. Like, <laughs> it's all, it all kind of... That's much more bull in the China like shop me. type of thing, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> but again, the obsession with him started, and that was very much a part of my process, mm. was watching a video of... Harry wearing clothing which was very non-gender conforming Mm. and it really made me stop and think because my initial reaction to that was quite negative and I've always been raised one heck of a backflip I've always (laughs) been raised in that the first response that you have is the socialized response Mm. And then you take a step back and go, what do I actually think about this? And so my first response was that socialised response of, what are they wearing? Like, what is that? What are they doing that for? And then my step back from that was to explore who is this person? What do they stand for? And realising that they were enjoying being themselves, that they weren't putting themselves into a box, that they were an incredibly kind person who was a safe place for a lot of people I think so that was part of my process that whole I think it's really useful to be able to re-examine those thoughts and beliefs mm. so and that's why I enjoy debating with people so much because often I'll it gives you that opportunity to go well yes I believe this but why do I believe this mm. how do these beliefs fit with what I think my values are mm. and do I still believe this mm. or is it just that I'm used to believing this for the last however many years. So, yeah. And it was very much a case of, you know, this person is just being authentically themselves and it has no impact on me whatsoever and is really none of my business, which is kind of how I feel about most things. (laughs) Yeah. Although you, well, you didn't make it your business, but you've gone from that to now you probably know what he's wearing most days of the week type of thing. (laughs) 
it, yeah, it's interesting though. There's been a whole, there's been a range of people throughout my life that have had these. We'll call them. <laughs> but there is very much a similarity between all of the people who I feel like that about. I just feel they're very authentic people. They're very kind people. They do a lot of work for other people without ever saying anything about it. They communicate well. They're creative. And I think that's just my type of person. Mm. So to be able to see those kinds of people being very much in the spotlight and, you know, as one of Harry's songs says, treat people with kindness is kind of his motto. Yeah. And that just feels like a really good motto to be having yeah. um, because I think politically and worldwide politically everything is very divisive and I hate that yeah. um, so the more people with the more platforms who can be trying to promote kindness the better to be honest yeah and I think what's the saying something like in a world where you can be anything choose to be kind absolutely and I think that goes for you know if we can just show some kindness and compassion and empathy the world would be a better place. For sure. So, yeah. Which seems like a really beautiful way to finish this. So um, have a wonderful Pride Month and um, enjoy Pride Parade and the celebrations you've got in the lead up. Thank you very much for being here and for sharing all of these little meandering bits of your story and for being so open for that. I very much appreciate the fact that you let me pry into all of those little areas. Uh, if people listening, if you are celebrating Pride this month, have a wonderful Pride. If you are identify as GLBTQIA+, then I hope Pride is amazing for you, regardless of where you are around the world. And if you are not, then I hope you enjoy Pride as well. All right. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you for joining me for today's episode of A Hidden World of Women, a podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. For more information on the services we offer, head to whws.org.au or Women's Health and Wellbeing Services on YouTube and social media. Looking forward to the next episode where we uncover the hidden world of women.